Hello friends, this is Caleb Suko, and this is the Gospel Today podcast and video. Whether you're listening or watching, I'm glad that you're here. Today, I'm going to be talking about trans issues, okay? Uh, with trans, transgender issues, and also trans and transition of churches. I find it very interesting and very closely related to many gospel issues. And so I hope that you will stay tuned with me as we, I'm going to make that my first topic, uh, talking about transgender issues and then talking about some transitions that churches do as well. So stay with me for that. But first of all, let's talk about what is going on here in Ukraine and in Odessa with our ministry and family here. So last week I had the opportunity of going to Western Ukraine. You know, uh, I have not traveled a lot since we got back because we've only been back for what, just over a month now, right? So this is my first trip since we got back to Ukraine last month. And we were invited to Shepitovka, which is a town in Western Ukraine. And there is a center there that does outreach primarily with gypsies. We have a lot of gypsies in Ukraine. We have a lot of in, in Odessa as well. But this town is about a 10, 11 hour train ride from, Ode from Odessa. So Pastor Yuri and I went and we trained the team that does outreach. Uh, they do outreach to children and to women especially. They also do a special service for gypsies on Thursdays. We got to take part in that service and what a blessing that was. Uh, I always really enjoy training people when I know that they are active in doing ministry, doing evangelism. And that was very evident in this training. They had good questions. They, they stayed right with us. And for two days, we focused on these important issues of how to share the gospel effectively. And in fact, uh, uh, so the, the sister that runs that outreach, her name is Nina. She's going to be coming down to Odessa this Sunday. She's going to be at our church, going to be talking about her ministry there as well. So that was a real blessing to be a part of that. And then uh, yesterday, in fact, we have our women's center here in Odessa that is run by our colleague, Holly Friesen. And one of the things that they do is they have a few volunteers that will go to churches and speak to youth about abstinence, uh, sexual purity, and those kinds of issues. And they have noticed that they have been finding more and more that the youth are asking questions about homosexuality, about um, LGBT issues. And they don't have, they, at this point, they didn't have anything in their material that actually addresses LGBT issues. And so they invited me to come and teach to some of their, teach some of their, their teachers who lead these little seminars and help them find a good way to in, input some of this into their material. So I did that last night, uh, taught for about, I guess about two and a half hours maybe. Uh, some very good discussion. I tell you, whenever we talk about these issues, uh, homosexuality, uh, transgenderism, it, it always brings some lively discussion, and it did last night too. And these were people who are church members and working within the church. But we need to talk about them, and so that's why I want to talk about them with you as well today. So those were two just recent ministry things uh, that, that I did. also want to mention that our Russian club is starting 
uh, a week from tomorrow, actually, on Saturday the 25th. So appreciate your prayers about that. Christina has been very busy with her ministries. In fact, I need to get her on the podcast, on the video again, to talk about some of those things. Uh, yesterday, in fact, she was here at the office with me. Uh, she was um, counseling one of her one of her women that she counsels. She has five women that she counsels on a regular basis now. So I really appreciate your prayers for Christina as she is uh, working with these women, uh, helping them to understand what it means to be a Christian. And some of these women are, are not believers in Christ, and some of them are. And what it means to be a, a Christian wife, what the Bible says about being a Christian wife and a Christian mother. So a lot of a lot of things that go into that. And and in, in some of these instances, Christine and I are working together, like with the husband and wife. And I just have to say that I I, I enjoy doing that. I'm glad, especially when I see that somebody's listening to the things that we're showing them from God's word. But at the same time, you know, it it can also be a a kind of a weight on your soul because uh, you see that there are people that just make decisions that are not in line with God's word. So pray that God would give her and us a spiritual strength and encouragement to continue and to help people to make decisions in their marriages and in their families that would bring honor and glory to God. Other than that, uh, things are going well. Um, the kids are in school. And so we're a little bit more tired than usual, still kind of getting used to that school schedule. But praise God that uh, everyone is everyone is healthy and we're continuing on in ministry here. So far, no more like big outbreaks of COVID here in Ukraine. I think everybody already had it. So I guess we can praise God for that, right? Okay, so let's talk about some of these, these issues. And the first one I want to talk about is, is trans, transgender vocabulary okay what i find very interesting is that when you start getting into talking with some of these people who are transgender actually recently i, I spent probably way too much time looking at some videos of people basically testimonies of people who have transitioned from male to female or, or female to male um, medically or socially so medically is you know obviously when they get some surgeries done to Make, to modify the bodies so that they will sort of look like uh, the gender that they are not, or socially, which is just to sort of dress and act in a way that is not your gender. And so I've been watching some of these videos, and what I find is that there's some very interesting vocabulary and common things that, that nearly all transgender people say. So let me mention a couple of them. Uh, one was that many of them say, oh, I always just felt like there was something missing. There's just something not right. There's something something missing. Or, or some people say, I just feel like I was born you know, in, with something wrong. I was born in the wrong body. They, many, many of them feel that there was something wrong with them from birth, okay? And, and that it just, some of the, I, many of them say, I, I was never happy. I never experienced joy, and there was just something wrong. Uh, some of them say that there was just this great weight. I just felt like this this great weight was was on me all the time. I was like living in this fog, and and, and nothing was clear, and nothing was right. And just it's interesting. All all of these statements of of just it, generally speaking, showing that there is just something greatly wrong. Okay, 
And then on the other side of it, when they talk about the transitioning aspect of it, uh, I, I, as I was watching some of these videos, I just, just wrote down some of the things that I was hearing in many of these videos. And, and so there was, they often would say, well, I, I finally felt free. Like when I transitioned, some of them talk about, I, was, I just counted down the days until I could finally start taking hormones or have that sex change surgery. And many of them, they mark that day on the calendar of, okay, this is a significant day for me because it was a day I was finally free, that I could finally be myself, that I could finally, some of them talk about, I never experienced joy and it was only after my transition that I could finally be happy, I could finally feel joy. Now, what is interesting about all of these things? Oh, one other thing that they often say, they, they talk about um, eggs, <laughs> they're eggs, they are, I guess eggs are people who are going th like in the middle of their transition. They maybe just started taking hormones or maybe they're, you know, had one surgery done, but they, they need another surgery or they're getting ready for a surgery. So uh, an egg is somebody who is going through the process of transition. What is interesting about all of these ideas and, and phrases and vocabulary that is used in trans or transgender um, speech is that it's all very biblical. In fact, even the word trans, transition, is, is, is super biblical. And we could take it all out of their vocabulary and put it straight into Christianity. And I, don't, I think that that is not by chance. In fact, I would propose that, that people who are looking to transition have correctly identified the fact that they were indeed born with something wrong, but they have not correctly identified the solution, how to actually change that. Because ultimately, their transition is not a real transition. They don't change their DNA. They don't change at the heart level. It is only either a chemical transition, physical transition, or a transition in style and appearance. So, but of course, when we go to scripture, what do we find? We find that the Bible is full of this type of language. I mean, let's just think about John chapter three, right? When Nicodemus came to him and says, what do I need to do? And Jesus, Jesus says, you must be born again. Okay, there's you know, the, the egg, there's the transition that every single person needs in their life and that only Christ can give. Or like, for instance, I think of Paul and he talks about the fact in 2 Corinthians that we are all new creatures in Christ. The old has passed away and the new has come. And so it is really only in Christ that, of course, we can go to the Old Testament too, right? There are a number of different passages. Ezekiel, for instance, um, Ezekiel 36 talks about the fact that God is going to take out that, that heart and give them a new heart, take out the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. All of this 
of this vocabulary and talk about really transition or probably the better word is transformation that when we talk about the gospel's transformation but i think that that's important for us to remember as we think about sharing the gospel with friends and family who may be looking into transitioning maybe they have already transitioned is to realize that you know what they were looking for what only christ can offer and that that is a true transition and, and we know that these transitions uh, ultimately, or transgenderism, right? It ultimately does not bring these people happiness. Uh, trans people, I, I don't have all the statistics on hand, but they greatly outnumber the population for depression, suicidal thoughts, suicide. And, and so we know that, that doing this transition, uh, if it makes them happy or joyful, it is a very temporary thing. So. I want to share with you, though, a video, and I think that this, this video is, and is one of a few, or, or there's many out there. I started looking at videos of people who detransitioned, which is interesting. Some of them are Christian videos, some of them are not Christian videos, but there are many, many videos out there of people saying, I, I became transgender and I realized that was a big mistake and I detransitioned, okay? But here's one that recently came out, and I want to just share with you a little bit of it, and then you can watch the rest of it. It's about a 10-minute long video, uh, and, um, and I think it's really revealing about transgenderism. I lived eight years as Laura Jensen until I woke up and realized that it was totally insane to live this out. We're ruining an entire generation of children. I find even hearing about it and reading about it so repugnant and so destructive to children. Trans members of this family all love each other so proudly and they all... Bringing drag performers together with little kids is kind of a perfect relationship. There are people whose gender might be a little bit of both or might even be neither. And it's time that this stuff needs to end. We need men and women to step up and say, stop this nonsense. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. You know, my upbringing was pretty much a typical California upbringing um, in, in Los Angeles in the early 40s. It wasn't really anything remarkable. At least not until uh, my dad began to take me over and drop me off at my grandma's house. Grandma was a seamstress and made dresses. And I became very curious about her work. And my curiosity led to her making me a purple chiffon dress that she made just to fit my perfect little four-year-old body. You know, at first it felt really exciting to have somebody telling me how wonderful and cute I was. But what I didn't realize was happening is the second grandma began to tell me how cute I looked in that purple dress, what she was really saying was that there was something radically wrong with the little boy that I really was. And so that begins this sort of creepy kind of psychological and emotional destruction that starts with inside a young boy four years old who doesn't know what the consequences are going to be about putting on a dress at four years old and keeping it a secret from my parents for nearly two years 
until I became so accustomed to wearing that purple dress that I decided to take the dress home. So All right, that I so that is just a little clip from this testimony of Walter Heyer. And I will put the link in the description of this video and the podcast notes for that because I think it's worthwhile watching. I think there's some other interviews out there with him. Uh, and certainly he's not the only one that has a testimony of detransitioning. But I think it's valuable for us to understand why somebody like this Walter went and became a transgender. And he talks about how his mother or his grandmother kind of started that with by dressing him up like a girl and then telling him how beautiful he was. But then he also goes on and talks about some abuse that he went through and difficulty, difficulties in his life uh, that, that caused him to do that later. But uh, I, I think it's worthwhile to watch these things. And the amazing thing is that he came to Christ and Christ changed his life and Christ gave him the real, not just transition, but transformation in the heart that he needed to overcome this, this problem of thinking that he needed to live as a woman when God had created him as a man. Now, one of the things that I shared with the, the instructors who, who are teaching in, in churches to youth about abstinence was that when we do talk with uh, someone who is gay, lesbian, transgender, we understand that that is only a manifestation of a deeper problem. They have other problems. They have other sin problems. And so we don't want to just only talk about that one problem with them because otherwise usually what happens is we just get into arguments with them and maybe I should do a separate podcast um, just going over the, some of the information that I gave on sharing the gospel with the LGBT community. I'll probably do that next time but that's just one thing that I think is important to keep in mind and listening to the testimony of Walt here I think helps us to understand some of the deeper issues that may be behind some people who are transgender or gay or lesbian or claim some other sexual identity. But at the root of it is a misunderstanding of who I am and who God is. That, that's what's at the root of, of all of these things. So we have to get back to those, uh, those ideas and what the Bible says about those things. Okay. So, uh, transgenderism uh, uses a lot of really biblical terminology, but they misunderstand it and they just go the wrong way with it. So we need, we need to help them understand what the Bible really says about transformation, which can only happen through Christ, right? Okay, so the next transition, transformation, topic that I wanted to share with you is this idea of church names. Okay, so I ran across this article recently, which I found kind of hilarious, but kind of sad at the same time. So evidently, there was this church that was started in 2013, one of these new kind of cool churches. And I don't know why it is, but in the last 10 years or so, it just seems like Every church has to come up with some, you know, out of the box, unusual, strange name for itself. And the reason that I've been thinking about this, because we started our church last year. And of course, I was thinking about, okay, 
what are we going to name it? You know, what 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 are we going to put on it? And we actually went with what I think is a pretty straightforward name. We tried to be pretty simple with it, which is Odessa because we're in Odessa International because we have international uh, people in it because we do it in English and fellowship because we're a fellowship. We come together for fellowship and worship and teaching and all those things. So, so I tried to keep it pretty simple, but let's, let's look at this article. Um, you can find this. I'll put the link in the show notes here too. Uh, it's, it's on Lifeway Research. And here's what, it, here's what it says. The pandemic forced churches across the country to make significant changes, but none were quite like the one at Stony Fork Community Church, formerly known as Outbreak Church. Okay, already we're like, whoa, wait a minute. How did they get a name like Outbreak, right? After enduring the impact of COVID-19, like most every other congregation, Pastor Scott Carroll, along with the elders and staff of Outbreak Church, began to think about how they would emerge on the other side of the pandemic and what their church would look like. Like most other Protestant churches in the U.S., Outbreak canceled in-person services. And okay, so anyway, it's not an old church. It's seven years old. It started in 2013, right? Um, and so how do they come up with this idea? In the summer of... of naming Outbreak Church. In the summer of 2013, Scott Carroll was discussing with another pastor what to name the church Carroll wanted, Carroll would be planting that year. The other pastor asked Carroll what he wanted the church's identifying characteristics to be. I said, I want to be around people who are so infected with Jesus that every time they turn around, they sneeze Jesus. (laughs) I don't know where he comes up with that. I mean, that's, Honestly, it's, it's weird. It's, it's a really strange thing to say. I mean, I understand that he wants people to be like really evangelistic and all about Jesus, but sneezing? I mean, really? Okay, whatever. Uh, Carol recalled, then the pastor said that was like an outbreak. They both looked at each other and said, Outbreak Church. In November 2013, Outbreak Church was launched in a rural area of South Rock Hill, of Rock Hill, South Carolina. And then he goes on to say this, we based our entire DNA around pandemic and epidemic verbiage. They didn't, I mean, obviously this was before the pandemic, right? We talked about you're the point source of the gospel, infect others with the gospel of grace, the church made shirts and bracelets with the phrases, are you contagious? <laughs> wow. Can you imagine church having that today? People would come up, read the shirt and ask, are you contagious with what? And we would get to say, Jesus, have you been infected with Jesus yet? And so uh, they had all these slogans and sayings. Uh, it says that they had a hazmat symbol that they used, uh, it was a cross coming out of a hazmat sim- symbol, and it says, and he says that was hip and cool until COVID hit. People didn't want to talk about pandemics and infections because people were dying from them everywhere. Our name wasn't an issue with the congregation, but we realized that it was an issue with the community. And so anyway, it goes on to talk about they decided to change their name. And what did they change it to? Something very simple and straightforward. Uh, Stony Fork Community Church. I, I think Stony Fork is the, is the town or probably the town where, where they're, they're in. So I, let's discuss this a little bit 
like I said, in the last 10 years or so, I've seen a lot of different kind of strange, unusual church names. And I wonder why. Like, why, why do we need these strange names? And also, along with that, it seems like this idea of, okay, we have to have like our own, D, like the guy says here, our own DNA. Like, this is what we're going to be about. You know, that church is about all about family and this church is all about infectious growth and that church is all about i don't i don't know what else you can think it you know for it to be and i'm just wondering why do we need all of this i mean didn't christ give us the dna for the church like don't we have that in the first couple of chapters of acts like isn't it about fellowship and worship and teaching and service breaking bread together like why do we all have to have our own like this is this is our individual dna now i would say that each church has its own let's say atmosphere to it why because of the people that come you know you in our church you know we, we have africans we have asians we have americans we have ukrainians and it kind of creates its own atmosphere just because of that. But but why are we going to such lengths to sort of stylize our name and our DNA and all of those kinds of things? I think it's just foolish. And I think that it gets our perspective off. I think that it gets our focus off of what is really important. You see, what is it? Honestly, a name is not that important for a church unless it happens to be like, obviously, you know, you're not going to name your church the, the Nazi church, right? Or, or something like that. But as long as your name is just, you know, say connected with the town where you live or something like that, people tend to look beyond the name. I don't really put that much stock in how important a name is, but I don't think that we should be going to these foolish ends to try and think up our own DNA, our own, you know, unique, hip, cool name, because if it's hip and cool, we know that in 10 years, 15, 20, it's not going to be hip and cool. I mean, you can kind of tell those churches that, oh, it has that name? Yeah, I know what kind of church that is, right? Because, you know, that was a cool name in the 1960s, right? Uh, so, but I think that it does point to a um, a deeper problem, and that is that we tend to focus on all these sort of outward issues, forgetting that the most important thing that we need to focus on is what I say over and over and over again, is just two things. It is evangelism and it is discipleship, okay? Let that be the DNA of your church, because that's the DNA that, that Christ gave, right? You know, Great Commission, right? Go and make disciples, and that is evangelism and that is discipleship, teaching them to do all that I've commanded you. It is teaching, it is fellowship, it is service. That's the DNA, it has to be the DNA of every single church. So I think that we can take a good lesson from this and maybe focus less on church style, design, design of a name and kind of DNA that we're going to sort of force upon a church and just focus on those things that, that Christ has called us to do. All right, friends, that is it for this episode of the Gospel Today. 
Hope that you were blessed by it. If you were, let me know. Uh, put something in the comments, send me a note, and if you have any questions, always would love to hear from you. You can go to sucofamily.org slash ask. And of course, as always, we appreciate your support. We are here in Ukraine because of the support of many of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we want to say thank you for that. And if you'd like to join that team, we would, we'd be really uh, blessed and, and grateful. And we're just going to try and keep doing all that we can for, for Christ. Too.